may the name of Jesus forever be on our tongues, ready to be spoken to those who don't know you. Father, may our lives that are lived in the community, whether it's in Streeter, whether it's some other town, whether it's around the world, may we live our lives in a fashion that reflects who you are in a positive light and makes people want to know deep down who is that Jesus. Father, we pray for Andy today as he preaches your word in Chicago. We pray for Curtis as he preaches your word here today. Help us to hear your word and to fully understand it, not just on the surface, but deep down what you'd have us to hear. And God, let us live our lives for you as we go about our way. First Corinthians chapter 14, 1 through 25, and I have to apologize, uh, that's the text, but I'm probably not going to get that far. I may not even get to 19, <laughs> um, but I'll read the whole thing and we'll see what happens, um, <clears throat> and so be ready for it uh, wherever we go and wherever we stop, all right? Uh, we're coming off of chapter 13, I mean, that makes sense, right? 13, 14, um, and, but, but that's important because chapter 13 is what we have called the, the love chapter, right? And it's where the Apostle Paul tells us and the Corinthians that it doesn't matter what else he does, however great, however wonderful he is, if he's the best speaker in the world, if he has, speaks with the tongues of men and of angels, if he gives us everything that he has and even his whole body uh, so that people can be saved, if he doesn't have love, then he's nothing, and he amounts to nothing, okay? And then he says uh, at the end, and now abide faith, hope, and love, but th these three, but the greatest of these is love. So we need to see that before we get into uh, this text, all right? He stops there, and he keeps, well, it doesn't stop there. He stops there, and then he keeps going there, okay? All right? It, he continues with that idea of love and also of the spiritual gifts, all right? So we've got to see the connection that he's making, and quite simply, that connection is none of those things matter as much as love. The greatest of these, not just the faith, hope, and love, but everything else is love. That's what motivated God to send his son to die on the cross. That's what motivated Christ to die on the cross. Love. Love for us. I love that song. Um, uh, oh, to see the dawn, you know. Um, and the fact that, that when he died on the cross, he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. I love that. All right. And so love. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to read uh, the full chapter um, in the, well, not the full chapter, 1 through 25, uh, it, with the possibility that we'll get through it, okay? But we may not. So if you have your Bibles and you'd like to stand, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 1 through 25 uh, will be our reading for today. 
the Apostle Paul, through the uh, Holy Spirit, writes, pursue love. And that would be enough, wouldn't it? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say, Amen, at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Difficult though it may be sometimes. I thank you for the fact that it is your word, that it is truth, and that it speaks into the heart of those who hear. Father, help us to hear, help us to understand, help us to obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Pursue love. Wow. Pursue love. The first two words of this chapter connected real strongly, quite strongly, with the last three or four words of of the last chapter. The greatest of these is love. Pursue love. In other words, pursue the greatest thing there is. Pursue love. Now, I just got to make sure. Okay, I'm looking around. Um, There are a few unmarrieds in here, okay? But that's not the kind of love he's talking about, okay? When I was in college, I was pursuing love. (laughs) I found her, all right? And it was a good thing, but that's not what he's talking about. So I want to make sure that if there's anybody listening to this that's unmarried, 
he's not talking about pursuing somebody to get married to. All right? Now, I chased her till she caught me. Of course, in the chasing of her, I was moving pretty quickly, but in the, in, in the waiting for her to catch me, I was moving as slowly as I could. All right? Um, love. But that's not the word that's used here. Pursue. Oh, oh I want to hit pursue first, okay? Because you've got to see this, all right? To pursue something means to chase it with the intention of catching it. Right? Okay. Now, I could relate that to running and racing, all right? I, I like to start further back. All right, because I see people in front of me and that motivates me to run faster, okay, to try to catch them and try to pass them. If I start up at the front, well, and they pass me, that just demotivates me, all right? But I really would rather put it in the idea of football, okay? All right, I don't know all the positions. Uh, I quarterback, that's the one. Center, I got that one, okay? Somebody carries the ball. He's running down the field. Somebody else sees him running down the field. He says, I've got to stop him before he gets to the goal line, or otherwise he's going to score. Score. They run after him. They pursue him with the intention of catching him, stopping him so that he won't score, right? That's what this means here. Run after love with the intention of catching love, of making it part of who you are, of making it part of you deep down, Love. But it's not that eros, married love, that we talk about, okay? Remember I said there are four loves, right, in the Greek language? There's eros, that's that married kind of love. There's sturge, that's that familiar love, maybe like from, from parents and, and children. And then there's uh, phileo, the kind of love that's between friends. And then there's agape. And that's the word that's being used here. Pursue agape. Chase after it. Now, so many times we chase after agape so that somebody will give us that kind of love. That's not what it's talking about either. It's talking about chasing this kind of love so that we will have this kind of love. What is agape love if we have it? It's the kind of love that, that if we have that love for somebody, we'll lay down our life for them. We'll give them the things that they need. We will look after their needs more than we do our own. We will give up what we want and what we think we need so that they have what they want and what they need. I mean, I talked about this some last week, um, so I'm not going to hit it real hard, but, but we've got to understand that agape love is a sacrificial love. It's a love where we're more concerned, or at least as concerned, about somebody else's needs as we are our own. And the Apostle Paul tells us that's how we're supposed to live. Look after the needs of other people as much as we look after our own needs. All right, so pursue love. John 13, 35. Remember that one? I talked about that last week. What does that say? The apostle, or, or Jesus Christ said to them, You'll, they'll know you are my disciples by your love. Notice he didn't say, they will know you are my disciples by your music. Right? Okay, now, music is nice. I like music. But sometimes we get all caught up in music, don't we? I mean, face it. There's some music you like and there's some music you don't like. The problem is, often with music, we look at that and we go, that's not Christian. I don't like that music. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to put up with that. And we get into all kinds of, anyway. They'll know us by our love, not by our music. They won't know us by the way we dress. Is there anybody else in the building today that has a tie on? I'm the only Christian here. 
You get the point, right? He has a bow tie. That doesn't count. <laughs> Not today, anyway. <laughs> you get the idea, right? You understand. They won't know us. But <laughs> I had to check. <laughs> Did you just take it off real quick? <laughs> um, they don't know us by the way we dress. They don't know us by the, the music we listen to. They don't know us by the kind of car we drive. They don't know us by the way we preach, okay? They don't know us by the way our buildings look. Jesus said they will know we are his disciples by our love. Pursue love. And spiritual gifts. <laughs> and desire spiritual gifts. So which one did he put first? He didn't say desire spiritual gifts and pursue love. The first one is the greatest of these. Love. In other words, guess what? Your spiritual gifts are supposed to be directed by your agape love. If your spiritual gifts aren't directed by your agape love, then those spiritual gifts are out of place and they're not doing what they're meant to do. What are they meant to do? Edify the church. Build up the church. I think there's probably three. I don't count them all as we were going through, but three or four, maybe five times, he uses the word edify or edification in this text for the edification of the church, for the building up of the church. And if we use a spiritual gift... Okay, for our own benefit instead of for the build benefit of the church. And I'm not just talking about this church. I'm talking about the church, whole church, okay? If we use that spiritual gift or anything for our own benefit, for building us, our own selves up instead of building up the church, then we're using it incorrectly. There's, I mean, I'm sorry, I just... It, it irritates me that some people, I love to preach, okay? But if God didn't call me to preach, I wouldn't be up here. I ran from it because I didn't want to do it. But now that God got me here, I know it's what he wants. I know it's where he put me. And because I know that and because I love the scripture so much, I love doing what he called me to do. But if I was doing it for my own gain... Boy, that'd be bad news. And when I see preachers on television, and I hear preachers, and, I, and, they're, and they're doing all of these other things, and, they're, and, and they've got millions of dollars, and they're living, living like a king or two kings, 14 houses or how many ever, I'm thinking they're not doing it to edify the church. And I could be wrong, okay? But that's what it looks like to me. And if they're not doing it to edify the church, then they're doing it for the wrong reason. So, and, and so, so he says, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Well, let's take a look at that one, okay? Um, prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. What is prophecy? What is it when we prophesy? Prophesying is the gift of speaking under the inspiration of God's Spirit with or without prior preparation. All right. When are you going to speak under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit without prior preparation? I'm not going to do it today, okay? I got notes. Sometimes I have as many as 30 pages of notes, and that's why you see me shuffling back and forth to find what, I'm, what I want to go through right here at the right time. Sometimes, though, somebody asks you a question, and they go, well, tell me why you believe in God. And you can't get out your notes, right? You can't get out your commentaries. You can't get out the, 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 the favorite sermon that you just listened to. You've got to know some of that. 
And when they ask you, why do you believe in God? Why do you go to church even? Why do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And you tell them why? You know what you're doing? Prophesying. That's what you're doing. You're prophesying. You're telling them, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, something true about God. So when I get up here in the morning, I got notes. I got notes. Now, sometimes I go, I get out of here and I say, I didn't use anything in there. I go through the notes and I'm going, Kathy, I don't even know I had those. I, I got to page two and, and out of 18 pages and didn't touch the rest. But I prepare. Why do I prepare? And I read, I read the commentaries and what they have to say, and I look up the meanings of words, and I, I, I try to figure out a little bit of the stuff on some of the biblical, or the background of the hi history and social aspects of the different stuff, so I understand it a little bit better. And if it's here, then guess what? While I'm trying to get it out here, the Holy Spirit's working here so that it'll come out here correctly. Right? That's prophesying. Do I always say exactly what the Holy Spirit tells me to say? I hope so. I doubt it because I'm me. Okay? And I know me. But I try. Because I don't want to say anything up here from there that's going to lead any of you astray. I do know that sometimes we'll, um, <laughs> we'll you know, people will preach and they'll go, yeah, that's what I said 15 years ago. Now I learn different. Okay? Which is why I never really wanted the sermons to be recorded. Okay? Well, I know what you said five years ago, and you're not saying that now. Yeah, delete that one. <laughs> prophecy. And he says here that prophecy is for several things. It's for uh, edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Edification. Oh, there it is. There's that word. I love that word. How many of you like to be built up? Anybody? Oh, come on. Get your hands up. I see those hands. 35 hands went up. There was three, okay? Okay, because the rest of you don't, you know, you're shy. I get that, you know? And some of you really don't want to be built up in front of other people, but you don't mind if somebody else says it to you privately. It helps, doesn't it? It encourages us. I, I, how many of you love to get drawings from your grandchildren? Anybody? You like to get drawings from your grandchildren? Are they perfect, wonderful, excellent works of art? But you tell them they are, don't you? That's so beautiful. I love the way you put that together. I love the way you drew me. Although your eyes are uneven and the nose is crooked and you don't have as many teeth as you really have. And maybe if you have hair, you don't have as much in there. Or maybe it's the wrong color. But it's beautiful. And they're not Picasso. But you love it. And you tell them it's beautiful. You build them up. And then next time, maybe you're going to help them draw those eyes a little bit more even. That's called edification. You're helping them learn how to do that. You're building them up. And if you're prophesying and somebody doesn't understand the scriptures and you correct them gently and you help them understand it, you tell them, yeah, I think that's pretty good, but how about this? And you show them a little bit better to how to understand it. You are building them up and edifying them. You're making them stronger. You're giving them a better and a stronger foundation for when they go out to prophesy and tell somebody else about Jesus. Edification. Exhortation. It means to strengthen and to encourage, to call. It, 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 this is the same word from which we get our uh, 
parakalesis. I think that's the right one. Parakesian. It's the same. To walk alongside of. That's what the Holy Spirit does with us, okay? He walks alongside of us and gives us uh, comfort and strengthens us and, and um, encourages us. That's, that's the same of the... Okay, but also, exhortation is also when we call them on something that they've done wrong. Don't leave them there. We call them on it. You know? Second uh, Timothy two twenty two, Apostle Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him to flee youthful lusts. And you think about it, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, a pastor, a young pastor, and he said, "Flee youthful lusts." Now we don't know if Timothy was was not fleeing youthful lusts, okay? And he needed that exhortation, that warning, or not? But the Apostle Paul wrote to him, and there are many people in our world today, young people, who are not fleeing youthful lusts. You think about everything that's going on, all right? And I wonder, I wonder how far some of our young people would go if they would take 2 Timothy 2.22 to heart and flee youthful lusts. Stay away from those things. Okay, I'm going to hit a few right here, okay? See what we can do, okay? And I'm going to close my eyes because if you're convicted, I don't want to see it, all right? Um, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, porn, uh, immoral sex. Okay, there we go. We could hit a lot of others, couldn't we? Right? Flee youthful lusts. Because you don't want... Because <laughs> those things will take you down a road you don't want to go down. Oh, you may think you do for a while, right? But here's the problem. When you're tired of going down that road, you've got to turn around and come back up. And that's a lot harder trip than going down it. Okay? Flee youthful lusts. So we've got to realize that as we walk in alongside those people, uh, prophesying, giving them exhortation, those are some of the things we also do. Oh, yes, we encourage, we edify, we build up. But we see something going wrong in their life. Love would tell us that we need to talk to them about that. And then there's also comfort. It means to give strength and hope to them. You see, we encourage them and then we... Uh, exhort them, and then we give them the, the idea that there is truth, that there is strength, uh, that they can, through the Spirit of God, through the Holy Spirit, through Christ, they can overcome those things. And that's what prophecy does. It speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men or mankind. Back to verse 2 here quickly. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him in a tongue, not a foreign language, the tongues of angels, okay, a heavenly language. No, we don't understand those, okay? You're speaking to God, not to men. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, mysteries. Nobody understands them. He, you know, and it doesn't edify the church. If I were to get up to here today, and I will say to you, Anahaseo. Exactly. I don't know if I said that correctly, because I haven't said it for like 40 years. No. Yeah, 40 years. Okay. Anahaseo. Hello. It's Korean, I think. Pardon me? Pass the kimchi? No. Anahasio <laughs> is just a hello. Good morning. Hello. How are you? Miguk an Okay, I'll tell you the story. I have 
two real good Korean friends. Haven't seen both of them for a long time. Name are James and John. Se-young and Sung-young Chung. I went to college with them. I met James Se-young in art class because uh, he and I were both art majors, and um, he is better than I was. I mean, it's just true, okay? Now, two reasons why I introduced myself to him, because I like other cultures, okay? Um, I mean, I'm not going to learn anything about Korean culture from myself, right? So I, I meet the Korean friend who doesn't have very many friends. I get to know him, and he helps me improve my drawing skills, all right? So then I find out that his brother, Sung Young, John, is coming to America, all right? And so we get a car, probably borrow one, and uh, we go to the airport with a few other Korean friends, and we pick up John at the airport. In the meantime, James is trying to teach me how to say welcome to America. And actually, what he taught me was how to say welcome to a beautiful country. And if he hears this, I hope I got it right. Okay? But if I say that to you, you have no idea. All right? Some of the times when... Um, uh, when Micah talks, all right, we have no idea what he's saying, all right? I mean, he loves languages. He'll speak all kinds of different languages, and sometimes he'll mix them up on purpose. I mean, Welsh is fun for him, okay? Um, so you get the picture, all right? We don't understand if somebody else is speaking in tongues. And even if there's an interpreter, we don't understand the tongues. We understand the interpreter, okay? All right? God understands the tongues. Now, here's the thing about it, okay? And then he says... Um, that's uh, further down. The thing about it is, <clears throat> he says, it edifies the person speaking in tongues. Have you ever been praying and you just, and, and, and in a group, maybe, and somebody asks you to pray and you just bow your head and you start praying, and pretty soon you hear your voice, but you know that you're putting no effort, no thought into what you're saying. And it's the Spirit of God leading you to pray what you're praying. Anybody? All right, I hope I'm not the only one. And you know that they're being edified by what you're praying because guess what? God's giving you those words and you are also, and it's the language they can understand, and you're also being edified by it because you know that the Spirit of God is giving you those words. All right, now if you're praying in tongues, other people are listening, you're the only one being edified. Okay, and that's what he's saying here. He says, for he who speaks in the tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. And then verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in the tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Okay, so, and again, there's that word edifies, builds up, helps the church grow. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have Bible study throughout the week. That's why we have, used to have even discipleship training. That's why we have those things to build up the church. He says, I, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more than that, that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Now, I want to make sure you understand something, okay? He's not talking about how wonderful the prophet is compared to the person that's speaking in tongues. That word greater means more beneficial, Okay? And so, I, I don't know how to explain this one. I don't ha have a, a good example, but it just means more beneficial. For example, if your car, if your gas tank is empty, okay, 
and I say to you, well, here, go on to the gas station and fill up your, your gas tank, but I don't give you any money, that's not very beneficial, is it? Okay? Or if I say, here, go to the gas station and fill up your gas tank and I give you 10 bucks, that's beneficial, but it's not very beneficial. If I say, go to the gas station and fill up your gas tank and I give you my credit card, I'm crazy. <laughs> but it's more beneficial, isn't it? It's greater than if I just give you $10 and hopefully you'll bring it back. Not the $10, the credit card. So we see how he's not saying that speaking in tongues is not beneficial. It's just not as beneficial to the church as prophecy. Okay? Because you can understand the one who prophesies and not the one who is speaking in tongues. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? It's no profit to you. You hear them speaking, you don't understand a thing. You may just be completely confused unless there's somebody that can interpret. And then you'll get something out of it. I, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? Anybody want to sing? I'm going to go play for you. You get the idea. If I sit down there at that piano and I put my hands on those keys, Rob's going to go, no, don't do it. And you're all going to go, I don't know what song that is. And I'm going to go, that's not really a song because I don't know how to play the piano. It makes no distinction in sound. If I go put my fingers on those keys and push them down, you're not going to get anything out of that. You're going to go, get out of there. We don't want to hear it. And so it's got to make some distinction of sound. Likewise, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? They won't know whether to charge or to retreat if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound. So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be, know how will it be known what is spoken? For you'll be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Okay? Thank you. Okay? Thank you, I think. It's more, probably more formal. Um, one day, my friend Jeff and I went with James and John to Springfield with a bunch of other Koreans. And they had uh, a uh, pastor friend coming in from Korea to speak to them and to encourage them and to build them up. And we were the honored guests because we were the only Americans that got to be there. So we went into this room and the pastor was speaking to them and all of a sudden everybody laughed and looked at us. We didn't understand a word. Every once in a while we'd hear things like Kamsamdida and things like that that we understood, but we didn't understand hardly anything that he said. And they laughed and looked at us. And we're going, where's the door? Get us out of here. Something's been said and we should be embarrassed. And, of course, I'm the kind of guy that just sits there and goes, they don't want us to know they were speaking Korean, so I'm not even asking. My friend Jeff said to James, what did he say? I'm going, Jeff, shut up. Leave it alone. They laughed. They're going to be embarrassed. What he said was, see your friends over there? They're ignorant. You guys, now listen, this is not an insult, okay? Okay, it's not. He was using us as a very good example about how they should work as Christian Koreans in America. They only know one language. 
You guys know too. Some of them knew him more than that. All right? We didn't understand a thing he said until somebody told us what he said in English. He will be as foreigners. And we were foreigners in our own country, not understanding anything that he had said. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. You know, so often what we see is people who want spiritual gifts. I don't know. I can't just stop with spiritual gifts. I've got to go with, with just, you see it in the church a lot. You see people who are serving in the church for their own edification and for their own good so that they can be seen and admired by men. And he says, be zealous for spiritual gifts. In fact, that word in 14.1, desire spiritual gifts, could be also be zealous for, for spiritual gifts. And here he says, even so you, since you're zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. For the edification of the church. It doesn't matter what spiritual gift you have. It doesn't matter what spiritual gift I have. If you and I and anybody else use the spiritual gift for the edification and the building up of ourselves more than for the edification of the church, we're doing it wrong. And all of it, all of it, should be grounded in love. Not eros, not sturge, not phileo, but agape. And so I look at all of this and I just kind of think, what do we do or what do we not do or refuse to do that would edify the church if we did it for that purpose? What are the, some of the things that we do that show a lack of love, show building up of ourselves instead of the church? What are some things that we refuse to do in the church that we know we're fully capable of, that we know God has gifted us for, that show a lack of love for the church? What more could we do to edify the church if we fully had the love, sacrificial love, that God calls us to have for each other? I don't know. All I know is that everything we do is supposed to be for the edification of the church build up the church, to make the church stronger, to help those who are part of the church become stronger in Christ so that they also can build up the church so that more will hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are in any of this. You know, I know that, and I gotta say, there are some places where we're just not intended to serve. All right, I'm not intended to serve at the piano, okay? I'm not intended to serve here leading the music. 
there are some places where God does not gift us or direct us to serve. And so I'm not talking about that kind of thing. But if there's an area where you're called to serve and you're saying, no, I'm not going to do that, then we're doing it wrong. So we're going to have a hymn of decision here in just a minute. And we're going to open the, um, the altar for, uh, for prayer if you want to pray. We're going to open the altar for uh, those who may, uh, may need to come and say, you know what, I'm ready to be a part of this congregation. I want to become a member of this church. I, I, want to, I want to come here. I want to serve here. I want to build up this church through the gifts that God has given me. I want to serve him here. It might be that, that you've never come to trust Christ. That you need to give him your heart. Let him live in you and live through you and guide you and give you eternal life. There may be some other decision that you need to make that I haven't mentioned. But I don't have to because if God is talking to you, he's mentioned it to you and I don't need to. So we're going to stand, we're going to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a hymn of decision. And I'm going to be down at the front. And if there's a decision that you need to make today concerning your spiritual life, then you come and tell me while we sing. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the strength of your word, and I pray uh, that your spirit will guide today during this singing and this invitation time. God, that those who, who need to make any kind of a decision, that today will be the day that they, that they make that decision for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.